if you listen to your inner self, nothing is impossible. You know, if you don't think it can happen, it can happen. You know, sometimes it, it may take a while, but it will happen if you really, really put forth the effort. This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Meet Linda Kirkpatrick, born and raised a California girl, found her way to Georgia when her husband was transferred. Funny thing, she came to Georgia with three sons, but then ended up with six sons and one daughter and is now the proud granny to eight grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. And yet she's a young 72 years old. As a child, Linda knew she wanted to help people, so she became a nurse. And then she ended up with an MED in human service counseling. Her journey has included foster parenting, adult mental health, designing therapeutic foster care programs, a social work for home health, executive director for domestic violence center. And then she decided to retire for two whole weeks. Then she had her second wind. So here we are with Linda Kirkpatrick. How are you today? I am awesome. I love that. Well, you're always awesome, obviously. Every time I see you or talk to you, you are awesome in so many ways. But let's get started. Let's dive right into what makes Linda tick and talk, so to speak. And (laughs) tell me, what was your first clue, aha moment, anything that you can tell us that brought you to where you are today? Which, by the way, after everything you've done in your lifetime, what you're doing now, you said, it just embodies all of everything you've done and brings you such passion and joy and makes your heart sing. So Ah, please tell us all about that. I will do that. Um, Seven years ago, my, my husband had been retired since he was 55. But I didn't because I continued doing what I love. And then when I turned, I'm trying to think, how old was I? 65, I decided the job that I was in that I loved had ended. And I just sat down and was going to relax and we were going to travel and it was going to be awesome as retired people should be. And then... Two weeks after me making that decision, I received a phone call from a friend and she said to me, you, what are you doing? And I said, I'm retired and, and, and I'm just starting. And what she said to me was, you can't retire. We have something we want you to look at. And I said, okay. And it wasn't, you know, it was just a short while, two to three weeks. 
And what she brought to me was middle school kids. And I said, oh, okay, let me see uh, what I can come up with. And when I looked at it, I went back to her and I said, okay, I see what you're saying. And we can start with that. Well, that was my aha moment because I knew that what I had done my entire life had brought me to want to look at these middle school kids. But then what happened was it wasn't just the middle school kids. It was elementary school kids. And then it morphed into um, all children. I'll so share a little bit so people who, who understand what you mean by the the kids. Okay. What what about these middle school kids? What the middle school at? kids, what we found were, you know, they're they're at that point in their lives where they're really wanting to fit in. Their parents have had let go a little bit. Most parents are working. Uh, the kids come home to an empty house, and a lot of times they go out and they get into trouble. Um, and that's when a lot of them start doing poorly in school. Their mm-hmm. dreams and aspirations that they maybe had when they were younger, um, they're not even thinking about that. They're, they're in the now. We're in Mm-hmm. Who am I now? Where can I fit in? What do I do? So what we did was um, begin a youth in action program where we brought d- very diverse kids, kids from all walks of life, those kids that weren't involved in the clubs and the cliques in the schools. Um, and we listened to what they had to say and what they had to say was so eye-opening to me. Um, As the mother of seven children, I hadn't even thought about what they were saying because, um, you know, I just watched my kids grow and thrive. And then I see these kids that are struggling and a lot of them are at or below poverty level, single parent families, grandparents raising grandchildren. And they want to fit in somewhere. So our group allows them to fit in and they are so incredible. Doesn't matter who you are, you are welcomed. And we do awesome things with them. But the one thing that stood out was they're left out and they're bullied. Wow. You know, so, so that, that was a trigger for me as well is, okay, I know about bullying, but I haven't really thought about bullying, but I was hearing it from these kids. Got you. Ah, all right. Well, let's jump into then. Okay. So, so give us a history of Linda, because this, where you're at right now is sort of the pinnacle, would you say? Mm -hmm. Although I would imagine at a hundred years old, you're going to try to retire again and somebody's going to (laughs) drag you out of that. But for now, for the foreseeable future, this became your pinnacle from everything you've done, as you said. So let's get a little history. I was shocked. I had no idea you had seven children when you told me, which seems like a lot. I mean, I have five dogs, which doesn't seem like a lot to me. But when you tell people, their jaws kind of drop. So I I understand. But let's go back. Let's go back. How did this start? Who is how did my how did my journey begin? Yes, that okay. Well, I'm gonna just insert this little bit and then I'll go from there. Um, I always have had a love for people that are 
and I'm not sure how to state it, but the ones that are underserved and the ones that um, need friends. And my well, mom. Now's a good time for me, that. Yeah, that statement. What's that? You said this yeah, to me. My, my mom had said to me that I was born with the love of helping others. Uh, I guess she was right, you know, because um, when I thought my journey was over, I was just brought back into it. And, and the thing that amazes me is I was always an AB student in school. Um, well, I got married when I was 16. Not to my parents wanting that to happen, um, but I fell in love with the star uh, quarterback and star baseball pitcher who happened to be Mexican um, and was signed by the San Francisco Giants. I had my first child when I was 17. And you know what? I just took it all in stride. And and that little boy has grown up to be a 54-year-old awesome kid. And and just from there, unfortunately, um, we got divorced after 10 years. And during that time, I had become a nurse. I had had another child. So I had two wonderful little sons. um, And then I met my current husband, who a shocker was... I was never, and I'm going to just insert this and you can cut it if you want. I was never attracted to blonde haired, blue eyed men. And in walked this person with this unusual name uh, that I just was blown away by and became um, the love of my life. And I'm guessing he's blonde and blue eyed. Yes. And he, yes. And his name is, and this is a, not, should not be a shocker, but it may be Cornwall Elihu Kirkpatrick the fourth. So um, we had two more children and then we adopted three. And that's how I happened to be the mother of seven. But we became foster parents. Um, one thing that happened was um, I was born and raised in California and I'm a California girl all the way and I love it to this day and love going back. But he got a job in Georgia where we could afford a house. And um, I just, I I was a nurse. My first profession was a nurse, pediatric nurse. I loved working with the children. But um, I didn't want to continue that when we came here. So we became foster parents and um, what an amazing journey that was. I mean, those children um, just want somebody to care about them. They just want somebody to show them some love, give them um, a life that they may have never seen before. And people ask me, well, Linda, why do you do this? And I said, you know what? All children need to know that they can be loved and cared for. And if the choice is that they go back, they at least know there's another way. And um, most of my, um, well, not most of them, but a good many of the children that we fostered, because we probably fostered about 70 or 80 kids, have Mm -hmm. contacted us um, and we still have relationships with them. Um, But then I decided to go back to school. And this wonderful husband of mine babysat not only our four children, but 
our foster children while I went to school. And I wasn't sure what I was going for. So I got um, a bachelor's in psychology at, with a minor in sociology. And then I thought, well, and I did get some awesome jobs with that degree. Um, <clears throat> But then I decided I wanted to continue my journey and I got a master's in education and human service counseling. But what happened was I worked for um, a substance abuse mental health organization and I was over supportive living, which was adult mental health patients was and I and they were living in, you know, out by themselves or in a group home. And I had to check and make sure that they were okay. And I loved it because they were just, they were just an awesome group of individuals. And, um, but I knew that this particular business was going to start a therapeutic foster care program. And that's what I had my eyes on. Mm -hmm. So I applied for the job and I got it. And it was awesome. And, and what happened was I was the only one doing the job. And I don't know if you know about kids that are so damaged that they have to be in a therapeutic home. Um, but I interviewed and got the parents. Um, and what was amazing to me was these kids only trusted me. And I did so much for them, but I was 24-7. And I had decided that all of these kids were going to go to the uh, World's Fair when it came to Atlanta. And I'll share this and, and you can print it if you want. But what happened was when I told um, those over me that this was what I was doing, because I was also over, um, they, a lot of the kids lived in a group home, but they went to a, like a day facility. <clears throat> and they said, well, those kids, kids can't go. And I said, well, what do you mean they can't go? Well, they don't, they haven't reached the level that they are supposed to be on so they can go. And I said, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I have free tickets for them to get into several of the venues. I have free MARTA tickets for them to get there. You can't do this to these kids. Well, I got a lot of those kids to the World's Fair and I was so, I mean, I loved it. And of course I went with the families and, and whoever went with them, but what happened was they took that job away from me. They, you know, oh, uh, no, yes, they did. And, um, they wanted me to go into another part of the program dealing with adults again. Well, I had built up so much comp time that I took up all that comp time. And two weeks before I was due to go back, I gave my resignation and I already had a new job. <clears throat> I was going to be a social worker for a home health agency, another field that I would never have thought that I would love. But in that I worked with a lot of elderly people and um, well, I so you went from kids taking them to the fair to now the elderly. Yep. Like that's, yep. You know what? God always has a plan. You know, he always has a plan and I just had to follow it, you know? And um, did you feel that way, Linda? Did you feel like you were being led down a path or were you making the decisions? How did you feel? You know what? Um, I, this is how I looked at it. This is another journey. This is something that 
you know, I can try this. That, that, was, that okay. was the deal. I could try this and see. I loved it. You know, those people, I'm the one that brought them the resources and the things they need. I was the one that mm-hmm. um, came and talked to them and made sure they were okay because a lot of them didn't have anybody but the home health nurses coming in and you know they're the ones that are doing all the medical stuff even though I could have done some of the medical stuff I was not that was not my job and I love that and while I was doing that um, I got a call to see if I wanted to look at working with families that were dealing with domestic violence and I thought you know, I don't know anything about domestic violence, you know, um, and I, and I was also a nonprofit and I thought, well, I don't know about nonprofits other than you, you give to the ones that you care about and hope the money goes to those right. uh, that are in need. That's what we all hope, right? Right. So what I did was I um, said to them, okay, um, I will take that position, but I have to keep my other job too, the one with the elderly. And they said, well, if you think you can do it. And I thought, well, I'm Wonder Woman. I, you know, I got seven (laughs) kids. I can just do all this stuff. And I just, I just loved everything that I did. But after a while, I knew I couldn't do them both. I just said, okay, girl, you know, you have to uh, make a decision on one or the other. So I did resign from the social work position and went full ahead. And that's what I knew because I had, I, as a Christian, I had said to God, I need to know what, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, I have done all of these things and I love all of these things, but what am I supposed to do? And the clear answer was, you need to do this with domestic violence, women and children. And oh my gosh, that was a 10 year journey. And what an incredible journey that was. I mean, uh, domestic violence affects all walks of life. And, um, but again, what I found was it's the children. Moms are going to make their own decisions and we give them all the tools and the skills. And a lot of them do move on, but a lot of them go back. And I can remember, um, one little boy looking at me and saying, Miss Linda, I don't want to go home. I want to stay with you. And mm-hmm. I said, honey, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I can't make that choice for you. That's your mommy and daddy's choice. Um, and then it, this is this is so ironic because two, two months before I resigned from working with domestic violence, I um, my husband was saying, you know, Linda, you you need to you need to resign and you need to to move on or or um you know just retire why was he saying that to you because obviously he's been super supportive until now well I just think he he was a super sleuth I don't know I guess he could see something in me I don't know but there was another lady who who was on the board that says Linda you need to you need to resign you know, it's time. And I'm thinking, oh, I said, I can't resign. This is mine. I brought this from $100 in the bank to $30,000 a month. Well, they're in, I guess, is what they meant. I was working myself to death. And did I love it enough to continue 
and there were some other things going on as well, some some changes and things that I, me being who I am, um, I didn't like those changes and I didn't want to do them because I said, why change what's working? Well, and I'm sure you were super quiet about it. <laughs> Are you being funny? <laughs> Yes, that was sort of sarcastic. So but, you know, and the thing of it is, so I turned in my resignation and, and um, then I had to take all of my stuff that I had used for 10 years and I took it and I set it on the board chair's porch. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, no, I said, I'm done. Here's my resignation. I'm done. And that was when, you wow. know, we we determined that um, I was going to just be retired. And then came the phone call, the call and, you and I love even put your deposit in on your camper yet. Had you? No. Oh my no. gosh. You know, we, but we, you know, we used, you know, we decided we were going to still do what we do. And with this new um, venture, we can still do what we do because I family patterns matter. Um, we're small. And I love it being small. And it's because we make that difference where it counts. We step in when nobody else does. Gotcha. You know, we meet our families where they are. And the most important part is we get the insight from the kids and they're honest with us and they know they can trust us. That's what's cool about it. They right. These kids have such a... Uh, I don't know, it's a want or a need for somebody to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where we fit in. We, oh, we so awesome. So Linda, you, you're so, um, your passion comes through so loudly, like a melody of a song we were saying. Uh, However, I mean, I'm exhausted listening to everything you've done and how you did it. How did you, as a person, you must have known something about yourself. How did you keep yourself going? How did you keep yourself, you know, presenting yourself and, and being there and being that person everyone could count on? What, what was it about you? Did you have a, a mantra? Was it, I wake up every day and this is just how I roll? Like, what was it? Well, you know, um, I have to insert this. Um, after I had started family patterns matter. And, and we, and, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that program in a minute, but after we had been going for about five years, I had some medical issues that were pretty severe. And I thought, uh Oh, God is telling me something again. Um, you need to slow down, mm. you know, you need to slow down. And uh, and I did slow down because I had to. And once right. again, my, you know, my husband came to the rescue and did my IV at home and all that stuff. But um, I had such incredible volunteers that kept doing our one-on-one -on -one tutoring and working with our grandparents, raising grandchildren. Um, the youth in action kind of got put on hold. Um, we didn't have the meetings like we needed to. Um, and the kids, you know, all asked when, when I was coming back. And, and um, I just told them I didn't know I had to, I had to get better. And I did get better and started back slowly. But to answer your question, I don't know. It's just in me. I can't 
I can't put a finger on it. Um, I just love what I do. And, and when I think when I look back, it's when those little kids run up to you and, and put their arms around your legs and just give you a big hug. Or when the um, teenagers just say, Ah, oh, Miss Linda, I just love you. Um, mm. And just when you see the changes that happen with them, I think that's what does it. And the families, because we know that there has to be some small changes that happen in those generational patterns, because that's where family patterns matter came from. We know there's some things there that have to be worked out before this child can overcome Right. Some of what has happened and, and maybe happening to them. Um, we we work with um, kids that what we call toxic trauma and toxic trauma is something that happens to kids. It can happen even in utero because um, infants, when they're being formed, they sense what how the mother is feeling and what is going on around them. And we joined up with a project called the Peace at Home Project that works with wet veterans. But they connected with us uh, because they wanted to help these kids with this toxic trauma with equine assisted psychotherapy and what an amazing program and um, what and I think I may have told you this about the little boy that had could not live with his parents. Um, There was a lot of issues and then he was living with his grandmother and had for a couple of years, but he, he was more than she could handle and she knew it. And he did a lot of things in his behavior. And I mean, I was always at the school with him because that's what I do and (laughs) go to the IEP meetings and, and take those calls when someone is saying, um, can I just talk to you for a minute? Um, But his, we tried everything with him. And when he was at one of his um, equine um, days, the girl called me up and she said, we need to, get him to a psychiatrist like right now Hmm. something came out and in doing that you know we talked to grandma about it and everything else and she had actually she was proactive because we taught her to be proactive she had made some phone calls and he he could not thrive in just a normal home but we got him into windshape homes Hmm. through it kathy and that was three years ago, and he is thriving. That's why I do what I do. That's why you do what you do. You know, to, to know these kids, and it could be just one or two or 10, if they're now passing school, if they're reading at grade level, um, you know, if they're understanding math, which I don't understand the math they're doing now, but <laughs> I have tutors that do. Um, it's just It's just incredible to watch, and the families... A lot of them, you know, they're they're at poverty level and poverty creates so many issues and and especially now. And I was on a Zoom and um, they were talking about poverty. And I said, well, I, my question is, how do you and, and, and I mean, and I I kind of know what you need to do, but I wanted to see if this expert knew. What oh, to do. OK. And what he said was, well, you have to bring the jobs into the community. And I'm thinking, that's not an answer. Because these people, 
they have to be job trained, they have to get education, and then they have to have someone that can get them into that job and support them. Because even the $12 and $15 an hour jobs are not supporting these families. Well, they need skills. Yeah, you know, so we have to find those companies that will give them those job skills or the technical colleges. So that's what we do is we try to get those families in those types of programs. And then that changes the dynamic in the family. And um, he talked about, you know, when everybody was on welfare and all of that and how people talked about that. Well, you know what? I tell my people that are struggling, you, if you're working and you're trying you deserve all the resources out there that you can get. And that's what we're here to help you. That doesn't mean you have to stay on them. It doesn't mean, you know, that you can't move forward. If your food stamps run out, go to the food pantry. There's mm-hmm. no shame in that because, you know, healthy food is so important. And I've noticed that the food pantries are starting to get fresh vegetables and milk and things like that. And, and <clears throat> the other thing that, I don't know why I have this frog in my throat. I'm sorry. The other thing that we do is we try to fill in if if it's a week before they're going to get food stamps or they've already been to the food pantry, we we fill in there. But they need things like baby formula and diapers and toilet paper and laundry detergent and bath soap and toothpaste. And so we always, when we take something to them, we have that little goodie bag for them mm. as well. Um, I just, you know, and and getting back to the children, one thing that we learned that it's not just the middle school kids that are being bullied and that are struggling. We know fourth graders can't read. Mm. And um, so we want to help that. And I was just looking at a where the poverty is most prevalent in Coweta County. And um, so I've decided we're going to target those areas. Right now, we're in the process of getting turkeys and Thanksgiving dinners to our grandparents who need so much support because they're now the parent again. And then, um, you know, to our teens who are in single parent families and then those that have the newborns and I'm going to tell you this this is this is something that is amazing to me um last year one of my friends told me about a lady that has seven children Mm. and she's expecting again and she had been married, but she wasn't any foreign. Now, she was from um, a foreign country, so it wasn't unusual. That was their culture um, to have lots of children. And, and I'm telling you, she was working. She, she had her kids in Head Start, and her other kids were in school, and they were A students. Wow. So she's doing something right, right? Mm-hmm. And um, But she was living in one of our stay stay lodge type facility hotel mm-hmm. and so she she did she wanted to move but here she was um you know expecting and so the first time I met her um we were in Barnes and Noble I do a lot of my meet and greets in Barnes and Noble in the coffee shop and so we're talking about her children and I said and what are you going to have she said I'm going to have two. Oh I no. Said, 
my mouth dropped twins? down to my kneecap. <laughs> I oh said, my oh my gosh, twins. And she said, yes. Well, we got her into a woman's home that's, a, that's uh, I think it's Georgia Baptist woman's home. And she can stay there for a year. She had her beautiful twin boys. And let me tell you something. They weighed over seven pounds each. <laughs> <laughs> they were big little guys. Oh, my goodness. But she is going to go back to work. Her kids, you know, are doing the online school. And her, her little ones are going to be in Head Start. She knows everything she needs to do. And she's doing it. And that's what we like to see. And she just needed that. I need some place to go. I need some place other than this. So hotel. she and her kids were able to go to a place. To yes. Go to that, that. Go to that Georgia Baptist home. And they're thriving. And they are part of our youth in action. That's and, amazing. Uh, they, they, they are just the best kids and polite, you know. And she's, you know, I asked her, I said, do you need something for Thanksgiving? And she said that she was going to, I think she said her aunts in Alabama, but we are helping her with Christmas for her kids, but she just asks for some simple little things. And, you know, and when people ask for those simple little things, we know they're really appreciative of what you give them. That's amazing. And that's, that's what's wonderful. We have 74 children we're helping this year. 74 children children are any of the lists they're not on any of the lists you know um right so but anyway um I'm sure there's a lot more I could tell you well I have a question for you okay good because obviously what the work you've done and and are doing is transformational for so many people on so many levels that you know you can hit the whole gamut of preventing people from you know going to jail, getting in gangs, you know, finding validation, finding who they are, having some self-confidence, learning, being able to then get a job. I mean, there's some amazing things that are happening and it is, it's that one person at a time mentality that you shared with me. If there was a sentence or a saying or an idea that you'd like to share with our listeners about what you've learned, what would that be? If there was like Okay, well, if you listen to your inner self, nothing is impossible. You know, if you don't think it can happen, it can happen. You know, sometimes it it may take a while, but it will happen if you really, really put forth the effort. And um, I just believe that, you know, everybody is unique and not everybody is made to be a doctor or a lawyer Um, if Mm -hmm. you're happy, my mother was a waitress, you know, she loved the cooking industry and, um, she ended up, of course they ended up, um, having restaurants, but, but that was how she started out. She didn't graduate high school. She got her GED when she was in her thirties and, um, you know, I mean, just amazing. And then, you know, and I look at me, I hadn't graduated high school when I got married and had my first child, but my mother said to me, promise me that you're going to get your high school diploma on time. And it's not going to be adult studies. I did it. Wow. Graduated. I still go to my class reunion with all of those kids that I loved and grew up with. 
And, um, you know, it's just your journey is really what you make it, you know, journey is what you make it and listen to your, and, and, you know, and even during COVID. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, um, I know it's hard, but we're going to get through it. It's all going to be okay. You know, that's just the way I feel. I just feel like everything is okay. It's going to be okay. God's got it. That's, that's my mantra. That's your mantra. What is next for Linda? Ah, you know what? What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to Pigeon Forge for Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So you don't think. Shut it down. Oh yeah. Um, What's, what's next for me is. Um, what I what I want to happen is I want to family patterns matter to be able to grow enough that we can have a staff person, somebody other than myself having to do everything. Um, that that's that's my goal. Just we've already got an office that somebody said we could use. I just need somebody to go in there and man phone calls and and get the referrals down. And then, hey, I can take care of everything else. You know, wow. you know, I just it's hard. I am the type of person that it's very hard for me to let go of something that I love. Mm-hmm. But if I find the right person, it would be awesome. You can turn over the reins. Yes. Tell, tell us this family patterns matter. This sounds, I'm sure there's people listening who are like, wow, this would be a really good program where I live or near yeah. me. How, how would they find out more information or maybe even start something like that? Yeah, where they are. Well, the first thing is they have to have the passion because if they have, don't have the passion, it's not going to go anywhere because we started with just looking at youth and youth in action. And then it went on to say, you know, like, okay, it's not just middle school, it's fourth, fifth, and sixth as well. And then it is, okay, poverty plays huge in this. So how can we incorporate it? And then, oh my goodness, grandparents raising grandchildren. What is that? You know, I Mm -hmm. can, I can understand it at one level, but at another level, I can't. But what you have to do is look at what you want to do and then just follow the steps of where it's going to go. And I have a lot of people that say, well, how do you, how do you do this? How do you start a nonprofit? Well, I find it easy to start a nonprofit, but it is tedious. Um, and then you have to be able to write grants and then you have to be able to talk to people and people have to understand that this isn't just the same thing as every other program, because that's the difficult part, you know, um, you don't want to reinvent something that is already working. And, you know, so that's why we are a referral source because we know we don't have a food pantry to feed somebody. If you have a child that really, we do do tutoring, but Elevate Coweta, that's another thing that's doing tutoring now in, well, I think they're doing it virtually, but they, you know, but they do work with the schools with tutoring as well. I mean, there's other programs out there. Um, We help right now a little bit with rent. If somebody, you know, needs a little bit of money um, so they don't get evicted or so their utilities don't get turned off. We do help with that. We, you know, and, and if somebody doesn't have something as simple as I don't have gas, I don't have money for gas for my car. Mm -hmm. 
we give them a gas card. Um, we do that um, now during the this lockdown time, mm-hmm. um, just because we know that it is different, you know, and do I feed my kids or do I put gas in my car? Well, if I don't put gas in my car, then I can't get to work and then I can't feed my kids and I can't pay my rent. So it's right. just like this cycle. So we try to just insert a little bit of help <clears throat> that is temporary, that they're not going to continue to um, need us. That oh, we also sense. have, I told, I forgot, totally. What? We're part of the Georgia State of Hope Initiative. We are a site in our community to try to do those little safety nets that prevent people from failing. So our program is called Mentor for Life. Oh, that so, is amazing. Yeah. So that that's pretty cool. I love it. That's really cool. So how do they find you, Linda? Well... <laughs> well, I, you can, you can actually email me at familypatternsmatter at gmail.com. Go to our website, family patterns, so the, the patterns has an S always patternsmatter.org. Okay. Or we also have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com. Uh, what is the backslash? Yeah. Family patterns family patterns. And I'll put this all in the show notes too. Okay. I mean, sure. so people can find or my you. phone number. I don't mind giving my phone number out. It's 404-944-8024. Well, that's amazing. And I'm so excited to, to be able to have you on the podcast today and share this information. And, and do you mind sharing Miss Linda, how old were you when you started? With with family patterns matter when you were in retirement for two weeks. Okay, I have just to because this is important. Okay, well I have to subtract. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think uh, let's see, uh, seven. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm terrible at math. Okay, I am seventy two now. So seven years ago, sixty five, right? Yeah. I retired. And so 65, you get the aha. Yeah. I, do I mean, more. I was getting on Medicare. I already had AARP. <laughs> so. And the lesson here is you're never too old to do or young to do what you want to do. Because I actually started in my teens and probably earlier. And I didn't let my early marriage and early childbirth deter me because I had a plan and I just decided, okay, this is what it is. This is my purpose. (laughs) My purpose in life is to be kind to everyone. I love that. Thank you so much, Linda. Well, thank you. Appreciate you being here and and sharing this energizer bunny energy, (laughs) (laughs) attitude, purpose. You're so driven. And um, we all probably know some 72 year old women who are kicked back and, and probably have more to offer. And yes. then the, and the, and the listening welcome them yeah. is to huge. just say, Hey, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Yeah. I love it. 
So thank you so much. And we'll put all this in the show notes. And thank you for being part of the Second Wind podcast and for sharing your second wind with us, Linda. Thank you for asking me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.